Good to see you all tonight. We're going to have a good time tonight with an interesting, interesting study. Go to Galatians chapter 6. One of the things that I, that I, I, I guess I get uh, oh, frustrated with, is there's just never enough time to teach God's Word. You know, there's so much to learn. There's so much to teach. And you know something that, that, oh, I think all of us have been guilty of, that if we hear something once, well, then I already know that. It doesn't work that way, does it? How many of you have a job where you have to have continuing education? We're going to try and tie some things in the Bible together tonight. And one of the things that is difficult is overcoming 40 years of bad teaching. 40 years of bad teaching. And, and you'll see where I'm going with this in a minute. But we have to understand that when the Bible says something, that's what it means. Um, when the Bible talks about Libya and Ethiopia and Egypt, do you know what the Bible's talking about? Libya and Ethiopia and Egypt. Um, people just... All of these prophecy television shows and websites and books, and they, they, they come up with all this fanciful stuff based on newspapers. And how many of you have noticed that just in the last two years things have shifted in the Middle East? So all those books that were written 10 years ago, they're not any good now. It, not, but the Bible is. So we don't interpret the Bible through the newspapers. We interpret the newspapers through the Bible. And one of the things that we're going to see in our text tonight is, um, well, let's just dive in. Look at uh, Galatians chapter 6, look at verse 17. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. I'm so thankful that, uh, that you have called us, you've chosen us, you've saved us by your grace. You've, you've made that offer to the entire world. But, Lord, you've put us in a place where we could hear it and respond to it, and we're so thankful. Lord, we don't have anything to glory in except your cross. So Father, help us tonight to have an understanding of, of what it means to be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, look at what the Scriptures say. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And there's no doubt that in this text, Jesus Christ, or the Apostle Paul, was dealing with the marks that he had received in suffering for the Lord. And I think that's clear. We looked at that this morning. And so he had the scars on the outside. He had the wounds, the injuries, the sickness, the maladies on the inside. And he was still serving the Lord. He, he was bearing in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. You know, God is very interested in marks. He's very interested in identification. So Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 12. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. Now, how many of you have trusted in Christ? Okay, look at the next verse. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. How many of you trusted the Lord after you heard the word of truth? All right. Now, this is universal. This isn't just a, a unique situation. Every person who's ever been saved in the New Testament was saved this way. All right. 
in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were, what's it say? Sealed. You might want to mark that word sealed. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Now, that's a, that, isn't that, I love that passage. It's an amazing passage. I first heard this passage explained, not what I'm going to talk about tonight, but an answer to Calvinism in a friend of mine's car, Bob Marshall. We were heading to Purdue to do ministry, driving from Crown Point, Indiana, down to Purdue University to try to lead people to Christ. And we studied this passage together. And I've been interested in this text ever since then. And it's amazing how often we go to the book of Ephesians when we're talking about what we have in Christ. It's amazing how often we go to the book. Now, I want you to think about something. How many of you are saved tonight? Well, then you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, one of the things that, again, because of language, because of culture, when I think of sealing something, I think of Tupperware. And don't forget the burp. Y'all remember that? Right? And what were you doing? You were sealing that up. And then we got saran wrap that was completely impossible to use unless you were my mom. Right? How many of you, you pulled out that saran wrap and it just got wrapped around everything except what it was that you're trying to cover? And what were you trying to do? You're trying to seal it up. Well, now we have idiot-proof stuff. Okay, you take the blue little line and you take the other little line, yellow, I don't know, and you make it green or whatever it is, right? You, you, you seal up that Ziploc bag and you can know that it's sealed. And I've heard this passage explained that way, that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, there may be some truth to that, but that's not what this is talking about. Do you know what a seal is in the Bible? It's a seal. No, Josh, it's not a seal. Do you see why we have to explain words? We have idiots in the room. Kids, don't call your dad an idiot. That wasn't nice at all. I, I, I shouldn't have done that. Um, a seal is just the way it was in the... You know, remember what the Bible says in the book of Revelation. That he saw a seal, sealed with seven seals, written on the front side and on the back. Right? And what are those seals? Those are those wax seals that they would put on it. All of us have seen a wax seal. And now we use them for decoration. Back then, they were used to identify who the king was or who this particular piece of information was from. If something was sealed by the king, you had better not mess with it. Is that right? So now the apostle Paul says, Let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I think that he was talking about the seal of God on him. Do not trouble me. Look at me. That is the seal of Jesus Christ on my life. It's an amazing thing what he was willing to do. And remember we looked at it this morning. He counted all of that as suffering for Christ. All of it for him. Is that right? Now the Bible says that we are sealed until the day of redemption. Is that what the Bible says? So all of us have the seal of God on us who are born again. Now, do you all agree with that? Have we, have we established that? We have been sealed by God. That's what this says. 
Everybody that's saved is sealed. We're not looking for some second working of the Holy Ghost. We're not looking for you to speak in tongues, fall on the ground and start flopping around like you have some kind of a seizure. That's not what we're looking for. We understand that when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. We have His seal. Well, what does that seal identify? What does that seal identify? Go to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 and verse 14. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for what? For His name. See, we are sealed with His name. We're Christians. We're, we're Christ followers. We are his. We are in Christ. We are one in Christ. Go back to Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Look what the Bible says in verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. All of us are in, if you're saved, you're in Christ, you're in the body of Christ. And what is the name of the body of Christ? It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. And He still has a body. Where is that body? It's seated at the right hand of God. Amen? And it's, He is coming back with that body. He will have that body throughout all eternity. We'll be able to worship Him. We'll be able to see Him. We'll be able to touch Him throughout all eternity. We are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise until Jesus Christ comes back to get us. We are sealed. We bear His name. That's awesome. All through the book of Revelation, we are sealed. We are told that we have His name. We are Jesus Christ's. Now, the Bible says... That Satan is a deceiver. He's an imitator. The Bible says if God has angels of light, then Satan is going to have angels of light. If God has ministers, Satan's going to have ministers. And if God has a seal, who do you think is going to have a seal? Satan's going to have a seal. Go to Revelation chapter 13. Look at verse 16. So this is talking about the beast... And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a what? A mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. All right. So a seal and a mark are the same thing. We're going to see that in a minute. And that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and the number is six hundred, three score, and six. Now look at what it says in... Uh, well, let's just stop right there for a minute. The first thing that I want you to see about this, verse 16 again, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a, an RFD chip... To receive a UPC code, what's it say? It says a mark. 
Uh, Mark, I, I just had a guy come through. He said he was a missionary. Um, he was out of gas. He had his family with him, and he had come from preaching to the Indians in uh, Michigan. And um, I'm not sure what kind of Indians they have in Michigan, but that's where he had been. And he was uh, driving to Kentucky or something, was out of gas. And, you know, he just seemed like a really sincere guy that was trying to serve the Lord. And uh, so we, I went, I took him down and put some gas in his car. And while we were filling up his car, he said, Did you see that on page, between page 1001 and 1002 of the new Obamacare, that it says that we're all to get an RFD chip put in the back of our hand? No, I, I didn't know that. And so he starts prophesying for me and telling me about all this stuff that's coming. And so I just got the gas done and said, have a good day. Hope you make it to Kentucky safe and went back to work. And it's so interesting how people are so wrapped up in the technology of the day. Now, let me ask you something. Do we believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ? That means it could happen at any time. It could happen at any time. And when Jesus Christ returns, then the Antichrist will set up his kingdom. Is that right? So that means it could have happened at any time in the past. We don't need technology for that to happen. Now, are there things in the Bible that we could identify with the technology of the age? Sure. Sure. When the two witnesses are killed and the whole world sees it. Well, that could be television, satellite transmission. That could be all of those things. But we don't know. We don't know what that's talking about. But we do know that when the Bible says that you have to have, that he's going to require a mark, we know that if he had wanted it to mean some kind of technology, God had available descriptions that would have identified that kind of technology. Latitude and longitude, his lines on the earth. Who set the line on the earth? What is the line on the earth? Latitude and longitude. When were those words invented? I don't know, but a long time after the book of Job. How about the paths in the sea? What are the paths in the sea? The sea currents. God had language available. The circle of the earth. God had all of this language available to Him to help us understand what would happen in the future. And yet He chose the word mark. We're going to try and tie that down. And notice, how many of you see immediately see the similarity? The Apostle Paul had the marks of the Lord Jesus in his body. Here, Satan is going to require a different mark. A different mark. Um, the other thing that I want you to see is this. When we look at verse 17, and that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So what is that talking about? Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is six hundred three score and six. So here's what we here's what we know: the mark is not the number, and the number is not the mark. How many of you see that? It's separate. It's separate. How many of you have heard that the mark of the beast is six six six? Where does that come from? Now, do you see what I'm talking about? Overcoming forty years of bad teaching. Where? Brother Ferrier, have you ever heard that the mark of the beast is 666? Absolutely. You've been preaching for a long time, haven't you? And yet, when you read the text, they're two different things. They're two different things. There is a mark, 
And there's a number, but that number is his number. It's the beast's number. You have a number and he has a number. And look, you already have a number. It could be your birthday. You have a number. It could be your telephone number. It could be your address. It could be your social security number. Amen? You know, if you're, if you're one of these guys, it could be your prison number. You just... <laughs> I'm prophesying. It's down, down the road. It, all of us have a number. Is that right? And who knows what number system is going to be put in place. But man, when you look at all these UN treaties that are coming and all this kind of stuff... You can see all this one world government and regulation and all of those things, right? You know that there's a treaty, and I think it was just voted down in the Senate, but there was a treaty that would require you to register your handicapped child. How many of you, that's scary. Just, just look up the registration of handicapped children in Nazi Germany and see where registration of handicapped people ends up. That's a scary, scary thing. You see, the difference between us and them is we believe that every child has value. Amen? We believe every person has value. They're created by God for His glory. They have value. They have value. And yet we can see this whole world system moving away from that. You know, that whole idea of the amniocentesis, to find out if there's some... Am I saying that right? Is that how you say that? to, To find out if the baby has defects so you can abort the baby. That's awful, man. That's just murder. It's just murder. And yet that's the direction that we're headed. So now, what kind of mark would the mark of the beast be? How can we identify this? Well, go to the same chapter. Go to verse 1. Revelation 13, 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a what? Okay, and so what are we talking about? The mark of the the beast. Rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. All right, what is blasphemy? It's disrespect for God. It's a violation of all that God is. Um, You know, these ten horns, it identifies that this is the dragon, but the dragon is being hid. The the manifestation of his power is shown here, but you don't understand that it's Satan yet. That's going to be revealed later. Look at verse 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. What kind of marks does a leopard have? Spots. Now keep your place here. I want you to to notice something. Go to 1 Peter. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. Look at verse 18, 1 Peter 1, 18. For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, and read it with me, and without spot. Is that cool? Jesus Christ is pure. He's not spotted. He has no spot. If he's going to put a mark on something, that's to identify what's his. He doesn't need a mark. He's God. Amen? So now, if we're going to understand the mark of the beast, what kind of mark does the beast have? He has a spot. He has a a mark, a black spot. Now, um, 
Go with me. No, no, let me just think about this. When, if Satan is going to make sure that everyone has a mark or a spot on their hand or in their forehead, how would he begin preparing people for that? And of course, all of you understand. Any of you ever know anybody that gets a black spot on their foreheads? When does that happen? Ash Wednesday. So in worship, Satan has already prepared a billion, two billion people to receive a mark or a spot in their forehead for worship. Well, what about another two billion people? What about Hindus? They have a mark in their forehead. They have a spot in their forehead. What about these weird religions like the Oprah Winfrey religions, the the Deepak Chopra, which is a a blending of New Age mysticism and Hinduism and tying it together. What do they talk about? That seeing, that all-seeing eye that's marked in their forehead. Of course, all this is just a coincidence, right? How would Satan prepare people for this? By including it in the religious exercises of the day. Well, what about pagans? What about pagans? Well, what do the pagans do to identify their paganism? They mark their body with tattoos. One more spot's not going to hurt anything. There was a kid while I was in, a young man out in Washington. They led him to the Lord. Man, he had a nice haircut and a nice suit, great smile, and he had tattoos running up outside of his neck and all onto his face. But he'd gotten saved. He's there as an usher serving the Lord in that church. It was awesome. Praise God. But what I think you all will know this. In today's culture, I'm not talking about the guy in World War II that had mom on his arm. That's not what we're talking about. But how many of you understand that when you talk to someone who has tattoos today, if you see a tattoo, what's always said? There's more. There's more. And they always want more and more ink. More and more ink. Is that what's going on in our world today? In all of this, heading toward a mark or a spot. And what are we supposed to bear in our bodies? The marks of the Lord Jesus. The marks of the Lord Jesus. Let's try to get an understanding of what this mark would be. Go with me to Ezekiel chapter 9. Ezekiel chapter 9. Really interesting. Ezekiel chapter 9. Let's start reading in verse 1. He cried also in mine ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth toward the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a writer's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. Now, you young people, I want you to look at me for a minute. You guys have probably never seen an inkhorn or an inkwell, unless you saw it in a cartoon or something. But we haven't always had ballpoint pens. It used to be that you'd have ink in some kind of a vessel... 
and you'd take a quill, a, a feather, and you'd dip that quill in the, the ink and you would write with that and you would dip in it. So now I have fountain pens. I have some of those ink wells. I, I, I have those things. But when you take a pen with ink and you put it on your hand, what do you get? Do we need to explain this? Okay. When, when you, what do you get? You take an ink well or a piece of... What do you get when you do that? It's a spot. Now, if you take some object and you dip it in an inkhorn and you touch it to someone, what are they going to have? A spot. Let's see what the Bible says here. Let's see what the use of this inkhorn is. Verse 3. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon he was to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with linen, who had the writer's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. So he's, he's telling this, this angel, Go through the city and set a mark on the people who mourn for the wickedness of the city, who are not involved in the abominations, in the wickedness. Those who have their hearts turned toward me. Put a mark in their foreheads. Does this sound anything like Revelation? Isn't that interesting? I wonder if the RFD people have ever read the Old Testament. It's really interesting. Okay, now look at what it says. Verse 5. And to the others he said in mine hearing, Go ye after him through the city. And smite, let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly, old and young, both maids and little children and women. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men which were before the house. And he said unto them, Defile the house, and fill the courts with the slain. Go ye forth. And they went forth and slew the city. And it came to pass while they were slaying them, and I was left, that I fell upon my face and cried and said, Ah, Lord God, wilt thou destroy all the residue of Israel in thy pouring out of thy fury upon Jerusalem? Then said he unto me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceeding great, and the land is full of blood. All right? Now, I want you to see this. We're going to come back, so keep your place in Ezekiel. Go with me to Daniel 9. It's just the next book, Daniel 9. Look at verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for, what's it say? iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. That's Jesus Christ, the Messiah. All right? That's all coming. That's going to happen. But this judgment for iniquity has happened before. That's what's going on in Ezekiel chapter 9. Go back there and look at it with me. Look at Ezekiel 9, 9. Then he said unto me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceeding great, 
And the land is full of blood, and the city full of perverseness. For they say, The Lord hath forsaken the earth, and the Lord seeth it not. Or, and the Lord seeth not. What a statement that is. The Lord seeth not. That's a very foolish thing to say, isn't it? Look at what he says in verse 10. And as for me also, mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity, but I will recompense their way upon their head. And behold, the man clothed with linen, which had the inkhorn by his side, reported the matter, saying, I have done as thou hast commanded me. All right, so what do we have? We have God putting a mark in the foreheads of his people. Is that right? We see that very clearly. God is about to punish the city for their iniquity and idolatry. Before he does it, he tells them to take an inkhorn and mark those who are his. So what do they have? A black spot in the forehead. Now go to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. Look at verse 17. For the great day of his wrath is come... And who shall be able to stand? Look at verse 7. After these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east. What's it say? Having the what? The seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their where foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. All right, now you see this? You have a seal. Now, are you seeing that a seal is the same thing as a mark? It's the same thing. We're going to see this in a minute. A seal is the same thing as a mark. Now, here's the deal. When you got saved, all the way back in Ephesians chapter 1, when you, were got, when you got saved, what happened? You were, you were sealed. You were sealed. We're going to find out what that seal says. Check this out. All right? So they're sealed. Is that right? 144,000 of them sealed in their foreheads. And what was the purpose of that seal? To keep them from being destroyed, to keep them from suffering in the destruction. Where have we seen that before? Ezekiel chapter 9. Do you all see it's the same thing? Is that right? God marks those who are His own. Go to Revelation chapter 14. Let's go to 13 and look at verse 16. Remember where we've been. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is six hundred threescore and six. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion, and with him, and 144,000, look at this, having his father's name written in their foreheads. What's in their foreheads? The seal. The seal. We're sealed 
with His name. We are sealed with His name. In the Old Testament, they were sealed with His name. Here in the tribulation, those who follow Him are sealed with His name. How do we know that? How do we know? Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Look at verse 1. Deuteronomy 32.1 Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak and hear. O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will punish the name, because I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. Is that a great passage? Now look at the next verse. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of His children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Their spot is not our spot. Huh. What's the mark? The mark of Ezekiel chapter 9. When is this going to happen? This is all the way back in Deuteronomy. What is Moses speaking about? Look at chapter 31 and verse 29. Deuteronomy 31. Look at verse 29. For I know that after my death, you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you. And evil will befall you. What's it say? In the latter days. So he's saying in the latter days there will be some in the house of Israel that have our spot and some that will have another spot. Whose spot are you going to have? See, the thing that we have to understand, go back to Revelation chapter 13. This is all voluntary. Look at Revelation chapter 13 verse 4. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven and it was given unto him to make war on the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Then go down to verse 16. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. He causeth them. He doesn't force them. He doesn't make them. They want to. They want to. How many of you got saved because you had to? And how many of you got saved because you wanted to? How many of you received the Lord Jesus Christ because of the free offer of eternal life and forgiveness of sins that He gave you? Were you made to? No. No. See, we will get a mark, either the mark of the Holy Spirit now, or those in the tribulation will take the mark of the beast voluntarily. Voluntarily. You know, there are people, how many of you remember people in the 70s not wanting to use the scanners at Walmart, because it wasn't Walmart, but the grocery store, because they didn't want to get uh, the mark of the beast? I remember all that stuff when I was a little kid. I remember all those things going on. You know, I use this uh, little deal on my iPhone 
and I, I put a, just this little square thing in my iPhone, and I take credit cards when I travel. And so I've got it right on my iPhone, and they sign it. And I tell people, now, as soon as you sign this, you've taken the mark of the beast. You know, because people are so afraid of technology and all this stuff. And it's funny, the reaction. I say that all the time to people. You understand that it's going to be a voluntary, willingly, uh, uh, it's a willing worship of a false god. It's exactly what's going to happen. And here's why. I don't have time to do the whole thing, but let me just show you this real quick. This is pretty interesting. Look at verse, this is chapter 13, verse 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. Like Jesus. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. You see, when people have been deceived by false religion for so long, if someone looks like Christ... He can speak like Satan and deceive the people. That's what's going to happen during the tribulation period. How's this going to happen? All the Christians are gone. We're gone. Why? Because we've already been sealed. What's our seal for? What's it for? Keep your place here. Go back to, go back to Ephesians chapter 1. What's our seal for? Verse 14 or verse 13 for the seal. Ephesians 1, 13, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. What is to redeem? That's to get. That's to buy back. That's to get back. When he already paid for us. He's coming back to get us at the rapture. We're gone before all this mark of the beast stuff happens. But now, go to, I want you to get two passages of Scripture. Get um, Revelation 14 and Psalm 23. Revelation 14 and Psalm 23. All right, so Revelation 14, look at verse 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. So now here's the question. These 144,000, that's a lot of people, right? That's more than live in all of Shelby County. That's more than live in this whole area. That's a lot of people. Would you all agree with that? How in the world do those people live through the tribulation period when you can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast? They're not, uh, they're not receiving in their bodies the judgment of the tribulation, that's one thing that that seal does. But how in the world are they able to eat? How are they able to buy gas? How are they able to get around? How are they able to go and evangelize the world? How are they able to do that? Psalm 23. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. What happens? God prepares a table for them in the presence of their enemies. Look, look. When they go to buy or sell, they don't know that that mark is the mark that's the name of God. They just see a mark. But their spot is not our spot. God told us exactly what was going to happen in the tribulation period. Is that amazing? 
Now, go with me to Revelation chapter 22 and look at verse 4 and look at where this all ends up. Last chapter in the Bible. Revelation chapter 22. Let's look at verse 1. Revelation 22, 1. And He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. <laughs> Is that just awesome? Look, we bear in our bodies the marks of Jesus Christ. We have the seal. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. How about we demonstrate the marks of Christ in this world? How about we go and live it out and trust in the Lord to protect us? Trust in the Lord to keep us and believe that we have His mark on us. And we can lead as many people to Christ who will never get that mark of Satan. Amen? Amen. Henceforth, trouble me no more, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, so much for your word. Thank you for the way that you teach us and instruct us.